Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out So I need, I need to make, it, make a correction from last week because I mentioned people dying in the teens and when the last person was going to die. And I swear, the next day, a woman named Kane, I think it's Kane, Tanaka in Japan, died at 119 years old. So she was born Whoa. in 1904. So the people from the 1900s, there's still those folks alive. 1904. So, yeah, Kevin, wow. <laughs> yeah, I did call that. <laughs> You did call that. The other thing you called was the Nets winning the series, which did not happen. <laughs> oh, and boy. as a Nets fan, I wanted to give you a, a, a chance to give your um, summary of the season. Wow, I love I love that we're going sports and pop culture. I feel like, I feel like you should start a website. Well, <laughs> I'll call yeah. it the doorbell.com. Very nice, very nice. Well, I mean, I do have to, I do have to answer to this, and I have to answer for the Nets, of course. Um, I, I accept that <laughs> as a New Jerseyan, as a lifelong New Jersey Nets fan uh, and Brooklyn Nets fan. They, we suffered from a lack of leadership, and you know, if you look at that series, though, it, it was, it was a sweep. We got beat handily, and and uh, my hats off to the Celtics. I tip my hat and call them my daddy, as Pedro once did uh, with the Yankees. <laughs> I think Celtics fans are right to have high hopes for this team. Um, but they were just, you know, KD was run down. And, uh, yeah, I mean, gosh, I don't like I don't even really want to get started on Kyrie. But, yeah, we, know, we don't have enough time. Comments. We don't yeah. have enough time for right? Kyrie on this. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. <laughs> and then we're just kind of stuck. Like, I love watching him play. And, like, if he had played well, if they had won that series, I'd be fully on board and would not be listening to any slander on Kyrie. So, you know, it's just it's one of the perils of being a sports fan right now is you got to deal with uh, some really selfish stuff and not an unteam oriented stuff. But KD, man, KD is my he's my guy. Now, Kevin, you're a Nets fan. And, and me knowing you personally, you're also a Mets fan and a Giants fan, mm-hmm. correct? Oh, yeah. Okay, so every now and then we play a game on here called Mary Boof Kill because we're trying to be uh, kid-friendly. So Boof stands in for another word. So Mary Boof Kill, Nets, Mets, Giants. I mean, that's actually pretty easy right now. Yeah, okay. you got to boof the Mets. I mean, it's like Mets, I mean, oftentimes I, I won't even watch them. I won't even give them another look because – Baseball's boring, and also uh, they've just been bad. But when they're good, when they're when they're hot, there's like nothing better than being a Mets fan. And so, and they're pretty hot right now. They had a no hitter uh, last night, and uh, they're in first by quite a bit in the East. And uh, yeah, it's the first big season in a while. Marry the Giants. I mean, watch the Giants. You know, week in week out for. 39 years, uh, never gonna stop. And the Giants love can kind of like withstand some some yeah. dips you know okay some serious uh, dips. Uh, big dips on again off again 
Yeah, but with, but well, with some with some Super Bowls thrown in. Yeah, the Super Bowls are there. The week in, week out, hope is there, despite you know, despite all evidence to the contrary. And then kill the Nets. Yeah, gotta kill the Nets. I mean, okay. you know, I'll I'll okay. call I'd call KD first, and I'd be like, hey man, just don't come to work today, and then kill the Nets. Okay, okay, yeah. all right. Well, well, we'll spread that love around. Neil, uh, I know you're a Raiders fan and a Lakers fan. I don't know if you have a baseball team, but. Default Dodgers. I mean, I grew up like in the Orioles, but that just faded once I moved out here. I was like, ah, fuck it. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to LA and then the Raiders uh, from Maryland. So (laughs) make perfect sense. So Mary fuck, Mary fuck kill. I assume you're going to kill the Dodgers then since. (laughs) I would definitely, I would marry the Lakers, fuck the Raiders, kill the Dodgers. I thought we were, I thought we were boofing. Oh yeah, Neil. Sorry. Um, Okay. Okay. I'm, uh, I am going, I'm a Saints fan, and I'm going to marry the Saints, because that's the pro team I have the most allegiance to. I am a Dodger fan, which I'll, I'll fuck the Dodgers, because they're, they're hot right now, like Kevin said. Not going to boof them? And basketball, well, yeah, boof, boof. I'll boof the Dodgers. Bleep. I'll bleep the Dodgers. And then I'm going to kill the, because like NBA, I, I don't. I own some property in New Orleans, so I guess I kind of gravitate towards the Pelicans right now. But I'm going to kill them because they are out of the playoffs. So by default, uh, killing the Pelicans. That's that, and that's uh, Sports Talk Radio, podcast rock and roll for you. Uh, (laughs) Moving on to music news, uh, the Black Keys released uh, a new song this week, and Arcade Fire somewhat redeemed themselves with a new song. Did y'all hear either one of those? Yep. Well, multiple songs, right? Black Keys, there were a couple songs on that. Yes. Yes. I, I've enjoyed all of those on that single. I did not like... We've we've bashed the first two Arcade Fire releases singles already. Yeah, I, I don't need those. Those, the lightning ones, made me feel like bands just stay together too long. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and then the, yeah. the other one was good. It was kind of like... You know, it's very much like a, it's a very much a parent song, I yeah. felt like, which all their stuff, you know, it can be nostalgic or childlike, but yeah. kind of felt like they were sort of trying to run back Sprawl 2, but with without Regine's voice, I don't know. It, it was good, but I, I'm, all, I'm all right. I'm all right. I like the Black Keys stuff a little better. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I liked the new Arcade Fire song more than uh, the Lightning 1 and 2. It's called Unconditional 1. All their songs are like 1 and 2. Setting up the sequel. It was cool because you don't often hear wind and a guitar, just him singing like the first half of the song. It's just nice to hear almost like a folky kind of uh, production out of them at the start of that song. The Black Key stuff, it's good. I mean, it's always good. What I did notice about both of them is he's kind of – Dan's getting jiggy with the wall a little bit, which is which is new, <laughs> and it's just cool. They have such a good formula; it just works over and over again. Like so, uh, j- jiggy with the wah for uh, for the listeners. What's j- a wah pedal? Wah wah. Yeah, we're not talking about Will, uh, Will Smith did not remix getting jiggy with it and the Black Keys cover it. That but is not the, what we're talking about. No, just their formula where they uh, often match the vocals, vocal melody with a riff. Like he sings yeah. with the guitar that just drives the whole damn thing. Yeah, a lot of, pa- lot of power there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so many hearts from Kevin on Skype right now. He loved that, Neil. He loved that. Thanks for the feedback. Like and subscribe. 
Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna do something we haven't done here in a while on Pocket Rock and Roll. Kevin, we have our e- people email us, and they they drop emails into the ask hole. <laughs> they do. Yeah, 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 we like to dip our hand into the ask hole fish and around. pull out. Yeah, fish around and pull out a question from the ask hole. So this week we have a question from uh, Tim in uh, Petaluma. California. And Tim asks, would you rather go to a sock cop in the 50s, a skating rink in the 80s, or be on TikTok in this, um, or I guess this decade? Yeah. And why? What kind of drugs is Tim on? Tim's Tim's just asking, Tim's keeping it real. Yeah, Tim, anyone who answers anything but sock hop to your question is out of their mind. (laughs) Yeah, the amount of heavy petting that was going on at these sock hops was just just off the charts. It's absolutely off the charts. Yeah, it was the birth birth of rock and roll. TikTok, you're like dancing in your living room, you know, and practicing all day to like make a 10 second video and get like internet fame that just drives like addiction and horror. And may make you rich, may make you famous. Maybe, yeah, you know, (laughs) lasting, I don't know. Uh, Roller skate rink, I mean, that was kind of my era and it was fun, but like, you know, we kind of aged out of it at like 12. So I'm gonna go sock hop. Go sock hop. <laughs> Kevin, you're going sock hop. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go nostalgic, and I'm gonna go roller rink. We had a roller rink in outside of Yazoo City, Mississippi, in the country. Like it was on a like a back road in the middle of nowhere. Okay, and had like Cuber. Had a couple arcade games. They had like Cuber and Ga- what is it? Galaxy Quest, Galaga, Space Invaders, or, or Galaga, one of those, and the same songs. I mean, it was like oh, yeah. from '90 to like '95. It was just Hammer Time, <laughs> Vanilla Ice, like Madonna hits, and that was pretty what much about it. The slow on the skate, yeah. We, and you got to have like Kiss from a Rose, <laughs> Kiss from a Rose by Seal. Kiss from a yeah. Kiss from a Rose was too modern yeah. at okay. this point. Not um, no like Damn yeah, I Wish I Was Your Lover by Sophie B Hawkins. <laughs> no Groove is in the heart. <laughs> groove is in the heart. Probably some salt and pepper. Can- so probably some salt and pepper. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe some In Vogue. Uh, was getting played, but you're just going around in a circle, mm-hmm. hoping you don't fall down, trying to impress, not doing any 360s or anything, and then, you know, not impressing and then going to play Cubert for a while. But, you know, and the disco well, ball. Well, it's nice that you choose, you, you're choosing the era that you actually got. That's, that's great. You were born in the right era. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for me, I think so. Neil, what you well, got? Well, I'm wondering why Tim skipped from the 50s to the 80s why couldn't we have like something in the 60s an arcade in the 70s cuz i think those may have been like the three most prominent yeah um i'm going to go with kevin on the sock hop that sounds the best if i if i had to pick it would be more of a teen hangout in the late 60s would be my preferred mm. Mm. Just to be well, clear, just to be clear, in this scenario, we're all teens, right? We're not, we're not us at our age. <laughs> Wait, what? You're not on TikTok, Kevin? Well, on, on that note, you were listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. And this week, we are talking about Sock Cops because we're talking about Roy Orbison, specifically his song In Dreams from his 1963 album In Dreams. Written by Roy Orbison and produced by Fred Foster and released on Monument Records. Well, what what can you say about Roy Orbison 
he is along with Billie Holiday probably has one of my favorite voices in any genre of music. It's cinematic, it's operatic. It can be a little dramatic sometimes, but it's so good. I I, I can overlook that. His songs every single one of them make me feel good uh even when they're like kind of sad or in this case somewhat longing and desperate. But cuz there's always like as this song says, a dreamlike quality to him. And the guy can just write a, a catchy tune uh, with a great melody. And this song is all of the above. I don't know when I first heard this song. I can remember his voice probably earliest from Pretty Woman. And I probably didn't really get into the song until I, I saw Blue Velvet in college, honestly. And it's it's prominent in that movie and kind of brought him back. But as I listened just to him more and more over the years and, and sing, being a singer myself, I was always impressed with how he used his voice it's so different from really anything i've ever heard i think in especially in anything close to rock music and i think this song and his other song crying probably highlight his voice the best but i like this song uh, better than crying so yeah i think it's an amazing song it's such a classic and almost a standard at this point or it feels like it i love how he just captures the surreal quality of dreams like it, it sounds it sounds almost psychedelic or surreal like i was saying and it's almost ghostly it's like a lost soul trapped in this same fucking rewind over and over <laughs> every night he's got to go see this girl and fucking relive this and it's so sad <laughs> it's just one long kind of story there's not much of a verse chorus there's there's different parts it kind of changes the whole way and it's just a long story of pain it's very short, but he does so much in it. Like he almost every few bars, he's up in the ante, bringing in more instruments, like just raising the pitch of his voice. Yeah. But I will say too, I do love it, but it, like the beginning is so creepy. And it may be because I've been watching the <laughs> John Wayne Gacy doc on Netflix, but like, I'm oh, like God. every night with the candy colored clown, he comes in every night tiptoeing. What the fuck, dude? Get out of there. Capturing the Freedmen's kind of vibes. Yeah. Just a, a real quick aside there. I mean, I think that's because the Sandman was the. Yeah. I don't know no, why. It, it I don't makes, know the history it, of the Sandman. It all makes sense. But, but when yes. you just look at the, that those first couple lines, you're like, whoa, dude. Every night he's tiptoeing it's, around with pixie dust and shit around your room. <laughs> But beyond that, I think it's an amazing song. That's just kind of taking it at face value. And and is he a teen at this time, or is the Sandman <laughs> tiptoeing around an adult's bedroom? Either either one, I'm not comfortable with. Uh, uh, but, all right, uh, you candy colored clowns. Yeah, it's it's a great song. It's a great song. Uh, I love Roy Orbison. Um, I probably first came to appreciate him. Uh, as part of the Traveling Wilburys, and just, ah. his, I mean, he's alongside these incredible voices, uh, you know, Tom Petty, Bob Dylan, not the least of which, and then, but when his voice comes into those songs on the Wilburys, I mean, it just, it takes mm -hmm. the song to the next level, it's just amazing, <laughs> Yeah. And, and he just has this voice that, I mean, you guys describe better than me, but he just, like, kind of radiates a pure good <laughs> to me and he's kind yeah. of like genuine in the vein of like jimmy stewart in it's a wonderful life like he just has this, mm -hmm. <laughs> this good about him and he just writes this beautiful emotional comforting song i mean i i think there's a lot of sad to it obviously he's he's not with this this woman and you know it's a lost love but 
it's comforting. It's kind of like he 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 enjoys these <laughs> dreams, and like who doesn't enjoy a nice dream? So I yeah I I, yeah. I think he's great, and I just I can't say enough about his voice. Um, I was trying to come up with the words, and then I ended up uh, I'm just gonna steal from Bob Dylan because Dylan wrote about him in in his Chronicles Volume yes. One. And you should read the whole Absolutely. passage because it's great. A couple of choice quotes. He said um, that Roy sounded like he was singing from an Olympian mountaintop and he meant business. And then he said, <laughs> and then he said he sang like a professional criminal, which <laughs> I didn't totally get that, but just, it's just a great choice of words. So yeah, I, I love this song. Well, okay. I'm going to just, I'm going to just make a guess real quick on the professional qu- criminal thing. I think it's, he sang like he has something to hide huh. and he's so good at it. That he can cover it up. That that's my my guess. Sorry, Interesting. Neil, I, I interrupted. I find it comforting too. Um, like I said, it's sad, but I love how he's just so into. It. Like he's so in love with this woman. There's something like nice to hear how optimistic he is in his dreams only, and he seems comfortable with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you know, just to start from the perspective of we've kind of harped on his vocal, and I think it's worthy of that praise. This vocal specifically in this song is one of the most unbelievable vocals I have ever heard. I'd put it right up there with anything that Aretha or Elton or, or, you know, Whitney, I'd put it up there with anything that they've done. Suppose, I mean, supposedly, like, he has a three-octave range, which is kind of unheard of for human beings to have to, to be able to do that with their voice. But the way he utilizes it in the song is perfection. And, Kevin, I don't... We have a thing on here where we talk about, we call it the Floyd, where something starts off good, then it becomes great, mm-hmm. And then they do something unexpected. Yeah. So he he basically Floyd's this song with the vocal alone. And it's really all you... I mean, it's just the perfect vehicle mm-hmm. for his specific... His greatest talent, basically. Yeah. And, I mean, even beyond the vocal, the whole time it's just changing. It's like a living mm-hmm. organism. It's just yeah. like, like the chords. Like, there's no... There's structure <laughs> to it, but not much. Like, he's just going wherever... He, the melody wants to take him. Nothing nothing repeats. Yeah. So, yeah. Kevin, we talk a lot about songs in terms of, like, intro, verse, chorus, yeah. blah, blah, or, like, this is part A, this is part B. And most songs will be, like, A, B, A, B, and then maybe there's a C, which is usually the bridge, and then A, B, and then we're done. This song has seven musical yeah. movements. Wow. Yeah. So it's ba- it would basically just be A, B, C, D, E, F. Which <laughs> 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 is... Which is unheard of in, in music, really. But, or in rock music, but the, especially. But the coolest thing is it's basically just A. It's one section. It's one complete thought. For me, I didn't, you know, I didn't pick up on that stuff right away. But because, you know, I've been kind of living with the song for a few days and listening to it over and over as more of a uninitiated listener and not a musician myself. If you listen to it, on, especially on repeat, it's really interesting to hear kind of how the the beginning of the song relates to the end and how it starts at kind of opposite extremes. And he just, there's just this huge build and, and it starts off with kind of an isolated vocal with barely anything behind it. And then it's just so operatic yeah. at the end. And it's just, um, as you said, unexpected. I mean, it just really, it's like a sledgehammer at the end, um, but like a, well, a, an angel, an yeah. angel with a sledgehammer, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, operatic and I mean I guess in, in these are somewhat can can kind of be similar in cinema, cinematic in that there's like le- a legit climax oh, yeah. to the story he's yeah. telling and he does it they do it with the production they do it with his voice 
And even the way he's like enunciating these words, like how he's saying it's it's too bad that all these things can only happen in my dreams. Like if you heard it out of context, you might not even know what he's saying. Like he's just kind of like <laughs> he just sort of blacks out. And just I mean, he really he really puts he, it all into he that. Pulls yeah. a, he pulls a Will Ferrell old school. He's like, what yeah. just happened? What did I just do? There's a dart in your neck. He's like, you won. We won. <laughs> <laughs> say vocal and melody in the same way but like what's your favorite part of the vocal kevin oh wow i guess it's kind of what i mentioned before and that it's two things it's kind of like the first line the candy colored clown they call the sandman just like really kind of sets the tone and then just the just the explosion of emotion and and just gusto that he's got for the last stanza the last four lines of it's too bad that all these things can only happen in my dreams only in dreams and beautiful dreams and i obviously i'm not doing it justice by reading those words i mean the way he i sings thought that it, was gorgeous kevin i thought that was <laughs> operatic the way he sings it is just i mean yeah it's not like anybody else nobody else would have done it this way yeah i mean the whole song sounds great but that's what stands out to me yeah and it's such a sharp ending yeah. where it's just like done yeah <laughs> we're <Yeah>. out <laughs> Neil, what's uh, what, what's your favorite uh, part of the vocal? I mean, I think there's really one answer here. I like, I think it peaks for me right when he's saying, "In dreams, you're mine all the time. We're together in dreams and dreams." And then when it goes into that uh, D section, I mean, I guess you could call that kind of a bridge. But just before the dawn, I awake and find you gone. That part is so powerful, and from from there on, he just keeps going up, and it's like, all right, what's showing off? Like, you're already- <laughs> I, I agree with you. In dreams, you're mine. Because the, the build there is just so insane. Yeah. And, the and just breath. that all of the time. Yeah, well, the breath it must take to be like, all the time we're together in dreams. And he holds both yeah. of those in dreams. And in then dreams. just the, the tension. And just, just before. Just before the <laughs> oh, And you're yeah. just like, oh, shit. And then the staccato that and comes the, in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And nice. yeah, the staccato that kind of brings it down for a second dun, before dun. it gets into the part you mentioned, Kevin, where it comes back up. And he goes into that insane, insane (laughs) falsetto (laughs) nowhere, (laughs) which is just and and the fact that the the most impressive thing vocally, though, is from him to go into that falsetto so quickly and then out of it so quickly and then right back up and then boom. And it's it's such a statement. Tell me. So So, you're so you sing like what what is uh from your perspective, what's special about that? What's interesting? I mean, it sounds great as a listener, but it sounds like you're speaking to a challenge that it would be to sing that. Well, because most people can't. Yeah. Most people can't. Like, like like I mentioned earlier, he has a three-octave range, which means he can play with his voice in a range that most people aren't capable of hitting, myself included. Um, what's a normal range? Two it, octaves? It, one octave? Twelve, 12 notes? Mean, one or two. One or two. Yeah. I mean, he's got the sort of the gravitas of like a Johnny Cash, but then just the range that just blows him and everybody else out of the water. Yeah, he's like a, a Pavarotti yeah. Cash. Yes. You know? Yeah. of your favorite I, I, the lyric is good and, and I, it tells a, a great story I just think everything around it is a little better so I would say the lyric is probably my 
least favorite part of the song, even though I'm not saying that it's bad in any way. I love how it sets up, you know, it's very simple and very straightforward and just sets up a very uh, universal story that any human being can can relate to, uh, I would assume. Do you have a favorite line? If I had to pick one, it'd be just before the dawn, I awake and find you gone because it's kind of one of the more saddest parts of the song. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, the candy-colored clown they call the Sandman. I just can't. It, it's it's just such a childlike <laughs> space to kind of open the song, and it's such a, it's a, it's such a strange choice of words. But I like the alliteration. Like he strikes me as such a, like an AM radio like classic singer, and like you know, <laughs> yeah. Mr. Sandman was on the radio not too long before this, probably maybe a decade before. But there's just such a classic childlike yeah. vibe he sets yeah. up with that line. So that's my line. But I do think the the problem with that line being childlike, and, and like Neil mentioned earlier, is the tiptoes to my room every night <laughs> is a little adds a little like that phrasing is a little like really he's got a tiptoe <laughs> in a room. Night. Like, yeah, no, doing? I don't think anyone's trying to, trying to get away with these lines, you know, in this day and age. I, th- I feel like they were, you know, you'd be <laughs> called out. You, you'd get canceled. Yeah, this, yeah Sandman can't be tiptoeing around this, your room at night. Uh, <laughs> I do really like, I will point out, not to give short, short, short thrift to, you know, that I close my eyes and I drift away into the magic night. I softly say a silent. I mean, it's almost like you can, that is what Sandman is whispering. And you can imagine mm-hmm. someone just like whispering that or whispering that to a child as they go to sleep. It's, yes, yes. And, and, and so I do, I, I find that part very beautiful, very good. Mm-hmm. As, yeah, uh, he's as Kevin pure, mentioned earlier. pure good vibes from Roy. A candy colored clown they call a Sandman Tiptoes to my room every night well, to, to, to move away from just specifically Roy, uh, this song was produced by Fred Foster. Interesting history there. He tried to sign Elvis to Mercury Records in 56, but then didn't, and eventually founded Monument Records in the 60s and got Roy Orbison to move over there from Sun Records. And he produced most of Roy's hits post-60. He also worked with uh, young Dolly Parton and a young Willie Nelson, and he co-wrote the song "Me and Bobby McGee" by Chris Christopherson, and and I think the produ- I think the way the production mixes with the voice and the song to build the story, like all of the tension building and the longing and just up in the stakes with every little part, has a lot to do with the production. Yeah, like Kevin Kevin mentioned earlier, you know, it comes in with basically it's very sparse. It's like I'm going to sleep. It's quiet. You know, it's almost whispering. And then we have this almost, would you call that an aloha beat? Totally. It, it has like a dance quality to it. Yeah, like a, a luau kind of thing. But it also like with the, yeah, um, yeah, luau. With the strings they put in, it almost has like a Mexicali quality to it too. Just the, the horns and the, the strings like definitely. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely getting a little a little south of the border once the strings come in. But the strings also add to that orchestral cinematic yeah, flavor they, of what they're trying to go for. And it enhances the dream. Yeah, there's right? a lot going on. I mean, just melodically in the strings and kind of the arrangement. It really builds to all those parts and creates a lot of the tension before he comes back in you know those those parts before the bridge and whenever he waits on the one the strings are pushing it just waiting for that sweet voice to come back in but there's also some nice flourishes there that they use sparingly but when they're used it's pushing forward a story by introducing like a new element 
um, outside of just his kind of mm-hmm. d- ascending vocal. Dun, 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 dun. The strings are the only thing that really stands out to me. There's a couple guitars going on. Just this sound, this dream kind of like, it's tough to really wrap your head around what to call this. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it has it has so many references and influences and like it's kind of, it seems like the best of the best kind of throwing everything into this one. Yeah, and I so I can't really speak to a lot of the production stuff like you guys can, but it is very apparent to me listening to it. I'm just, there's so much less at the beginning and so much more as it goes on and at the <laughs> yeah, end. Yeah. And, and you mentioned like kind of psychedelic. Um, it is very immersive song. and it does, it does just kind of take you on this journey. Yeah, but if you look at the journey in a certain way, like you said, so the person's going to sleep in the beginning. It's very quiet. Other strings, all this stuff start to build in. Now, at the same time, the piano and the and the drums and the bass are basically the same, same tempo, same volume the entire time. They're just kind of keeping that steady bed. Yeah. His voice is like the person who kind of starts off soft and going to sleep, and then the dreams happen and everything gets a little psychedelic. That's a good uh, observation. And then at the end, it kind of falls out a little bit. And when, when he wakes up, it's almost like a hangover of like, can I go back? Yeah. And the music reflects that and the production reflects it, that it as well. It does, but I don't think any of it is really that necessary. I think he wrote a brilliant song. Any way it was produced, like I think it would have been good. Like it's all, it's all adding to it and that build but just the way he wrote this song naturally builds with his voice and the chord, just the structure of the chords, the way they're built. He said he wrote this actually kind of in a dream state. He, he used to like sleep and picture himself as this is Elvis's new song on the radio. The new song from Elvis Presley. And then like his mind would just start writing these songs. Um, <laughs> and he got up and he said he wrote it in like five minutes. Like it was all, it was all done in his head in a dream. <laughs> yeah, it, when I first read that, I, I read that too. It, it's twenty minutes, and and you, I was like, really? And then listening to the song, I was like, yeah. I mean, if you this, you have to chase until you're done. And maybe that's why it ends so abruptly. He was just like chasing. He's like, all right, that's enough. Good, good to go. Yeah, I that's- mean, songs don't have. I mean, I think three minutes is fine. It was done. His his statement was over, and and his voice couldn't go any higher. I yeah. mean, maybe there's really nowhere you can go thematically go. after where it ends either. I mean. Look, man, three minutes is always fine in my book. I can't help it. I can't help it. If I try. I will point out, we usually list the musicians on the song uh, at, at, at this point, but I couldn't find the exact roster for this specific song, and there are too many names to list own um the album so you know you can go to wikipedia and find that information we just know that roy oberson wrote the song and he's singing now just a couple of fun facts i'll throw on top of that this song was released while he was touring with the beatles in 1963 he was supposed to be the headliner but uh this was right at the beginning of beatlemania and they there was so much press put their way he allowed them to go on last and the first show <laughs> the, the crowd loved him so much he came out for 15 encores and when he was about to walk out for another one John and Paul wouldn't let him <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, which is just fantastic 
<laughs> he just starts playing the but, Beatles uh, set, and they're just they're not happy. Yeah. Sound, sounds like one <laughs> yeah, of those like, uh, tall tales. Like it was like two encores. That like but, the yeah. next person was like, "Did you hear? It was like four. I heard. Might have been five. another one of his dreams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the, the song did peak at number seven on the charts. Uh, it's on Rolling Stones list uh, at number three nineteen of five hundred. And again, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, it was brought back to prominence in 87 in the David Lynch film Blue Velvet, which is a favorite of mine. And it's actually used twice in in the movie because Dennis Hopper's character is obsessed with it. Yeah, I, I rewatched the clip. Yeah, just earlier today. The clip, which one? The clip with Ziggy uh, lip singing it. Uh, Ziggy yeah. from Quantum Leap. Uh, yeah. Dean yeah. Stockwell, right? Yeah. He, he he was Ziggy in Quantum yeah, Leap. Exactly. Yeah. That's all I oh, can okay. think Okay. Yeah. That's that's he legally changed his name to Ziggy. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. And funny, it's like he didn't like the way Lynch used it because the song meant a certain thing to him, and Lynch used it for this character who thought about. Well, it of a course. I mean, Lynch is just he's looking at kind of. He's taking the light and looking at the dark side at the same time, whereas Roy is, uh, you know, he's trying to be a, a, a creature of light in this song, I think, and uh, and he wasn't, yeah. but he apparently he came around and he watched it the second yeah. time and he loved it, and then uh, apparently he and Lynch bonded and even did transcendental meditation together. That's what mm. I heard from David Lynch. And also, uh, Lynch helped him do a music video for it in '87. Oh. Which, uh, if if you watch it, it's kind of cool. I think cool. I saw like, that. I didn't realize a, David Lynch was involved. That's cool. It, yeah, yeah, it was black yeah, and white, I kind must, of an older Orbison. Yeah, I must say the '87 the remaster. No bueno. I'm not it. No, well, it's just not as it's good. too. There's the you know it's classic '87. They just fucking made it cheesy as shit. Super polish. Yeah. <laughs> well, did you watch any of the live perform? Because there's a lot of live performances on YouTube from like the 70s, the 60s, the 80s. Did mm-hmm. y- did y'all watch any of those? Yeah, one of them was really good. It was just kind of a black and white of him doing it back in uh, the 60s. And then I watched the one, what's that, Black Knight or something with Elvis Costello and Bruce Springsteen. Oh. That yeah, was yeah, nice. Yeah. That was very cool. That's also kind of 80s cheesy, but yeah. Kevin, did you see I, any of I those? didn't see the live stuff. You guys will have to send me a link. I would check it out. Well, the live stuff is cool to watch because, like Neil, you said earlier, um, you said it's kind of ghostly, which kind of reminds me of live performance because he doesn't move. <laughs> yeah, he, he wears sunglasses like, and just hangs yeah. out in the back and of the And looks stage. like he's just propped up there like Weekend at Bernie's. Really yeah. chunky hair with these really chunky sideburns mm-hmm. and like a doughy face and like a white suit or a black suit. Uh, but in the 70s, there's one with a white suit. Where and has anyone ever it, seen his it, eyes? Well, yeah. On the cover of this album is, is like a younger okay. him with, with actual glasses okay. on. But if you watch all of I mean, it, it is ghostly. It's just like he's there and a spirit is just singing through him because he's just not moving. He's just playing guitar. Yeah, and yeah. It, it, and it does seem kind of like godlike or angelic in some ways or even just, you know, if he lifted up those glasses and there, his eyes were like white with light or black, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> Uh, the Sandman. He's the Sandman. Well, I wonder. Yeah. He's tiptoeing yes, around. Yes, he is the Sandman. And 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 speaking of the Sandman, I I think it's time to vibe, fellas. So Kevin, I don't know if we did this with you last week. I can't remember, but um, oh, we did. Oh, okay. Well, uh, we're gonna we're gonna let you cue the 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 vibing music in three, two, one. <laughs> I'll pass. I'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is my song, so I'm going to say, uh, obviously, I want to hear this when I'm dozing off. 
probably buy a pool at night. Hmm. That, that, that is my answer, and I'm sticking to it. Well, the sleep time makes sense. Sleep time makes sense. You know, it's a little obvious, Josh. Uh, a little on the nose. I, I got I'm... I got two. I got two. I think it works for, it, in the current day, you're most likely to hear this, getting ice cream at like a semi-retro, like beach, beachside <laughs> ice cream ice spot cream with your family. Yes. You're, that's where you're most likely, but like I think it still it still goes pretty hard in the the slow dance section. I think this is like a this is an incredible slow dance song. In middle school, high school, or whatever, this is where you like grab your crush and like either either you're striking out or like this is the greatest day of your life. <laughs> nice, uh, Neil. What you got? Kevin, yes, I'll agree with you on like the slow dance thing. I mean, it's a, it's a good song to put on to just almost kind of uh, waltz around to, or you know, something along those lines. And then something else, probably not recommended, but using it in a medicinal way, like if you're sad, but you're probably a few whiskeys deep. You're probably, I don't know, I wouldn't head down that road. I would. That's the Dennis <laughs> Hopper road. <laughs> the Dennis Hopper road. Yes. I don't know if you're coming back. I don't know if you're coming. Back. <laughs> There's not many times you want to head down the Hopper Road. <laughs> yeah, few can few can walk that road. And speaking of Dennis Hopper, I, I do think it's time we uh, we slide under the influence and and talk about the influences <laughs> of this song. <laughs> Neil, what 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 do you what well, do you have for it that? It has a huge influence on one of my favorite artists, this guy named Josh Bond. <laughs> he wrote this song <laughs> under her breath that is very ah. much like this song, and he has a uh, a good one from the archives called "In a Dream." Beyond that, I think... Um, Real quick, uh, Under Her Breath, a uh, collection of songs for the Kings, available on Spotify and damn Apple right. iTunes. Damn Continue right. now, sorry. <clears throat> um, <laughs> I feel like many Beach Boy songs are dripping with this sound and mm. just the, this kind mm. of like his dreamy, mm. juvenile, like lost love wow. kind of thing. Um, yeah. and, well, Brian also copied his hairstyle. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't just, even think of that, but that there is definitely like a quality of how the voice is recorded and produced that just, yeah, they're very reminiscent. And then there's just so many dream songs. I mean, I was surprised to see that Dream Lover was before this, three years before this. So I think they're very similar, even the that. strumming patterns. Um, and then All I Have to Do is Dream, Everly Brothers, and of course, Billy Ocean, Get Out of My Dreams and Into My Car. Well, he covers on the album in Dreams. He covers All I Have to Do is Dream. Cool, cool. I want to hear that. Uh, Kevin, what you Uh, got? Well, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I I felt like the Beatles, I felt like Lennon and McCartney had to have been influenced by by Orbison. Oh, yeah. Um, I just think there's just that kind of sensitive, almost like fatherly quality i don't know it's it's mm-hmm. there's a, it's just that era they i feel that influence there dylan and petty obviously like idolized him had him in their group he just had this place of respect in the, yeah. the wilburys and then um uh something slightly more recent i'd go um weezer only in dreams i feel like it's like <laughs> yes, the same yes. song but just done in an alternative <laughs> rock context mm-hmm. i listened to that as well nice before i, I just think this song is just the opera influences song, and I think oh, yeah. movies from his childhood. I would say movies from the 30s or 40s, and, and maybe into the 50s. This just sounds like something that would be in one of those, especially musically and production wise. Uh, moving forward, honestly, it's there's a lot of like meatloaf has this yeah operatic yeah, kind of style yeah, that yeah. yeah, and that that reminds me of him, and also Bono. Lot, with from the sunglasses to heavily influenced by this guy's 
this guy vocally. And even to the point where um, on his final album, uh, Bono heard this song, and he and the Edge wrote a song for him to, and he recorded it for his wow. final album. Well, and and Bono Bono produced what might be my favorite Roy Orbison song, which is uh, "She's a Mystery to Me," produced by Bono. Ah, nice. So and okay, I, I, I was, did not know that. <clears throat> I was also wondering one thing. I was listening to a Dream song, Fleetwood Mac. Um, was Stevie singing the girl's perspective? Did Roy just fuck over some uh, girl <laughs> and wanted her back? I don't know. I mean, because that, that, it could mix. Because, like, we've been talking about it. It's, it's got a sock hop quality. It's also got, so it's basically, like, in a psychedelic quality. So it's basically, like, a psychedelic, uh, psychedelic sock hop. Sock hop. <laughs> and Fleetwood Mac dives into the psychedelic sock hop at times. They sure do. I would say. <laughs> and speaking of uh, Stevie Nicks, why don't we dive under the covers real quick and... Uh, and talk about the covers of this song. Neil, did you hear any covers of the song? There aren't many. There aren't many at all. It's t- yeah. it's tough to find. I've, Surprisingly. I found a few on YouTube. Um, I found Bruce doing it live, Ooh. which was really cool because ah. he brings, it brings, it's much lighter. You know what I mean? He's he's putting his kind of vocal flourishes on it. But the sad part. <laughs> well, he has a smile on his face and he's just like, it's, it's kind of much more optimistic. But... I was saddened because, like, right before the bridge, he's like, ah, I forget the rest. He was just kind of at a festival <laughs> fucking around with it. Um, and then beyond that, there was uh, this guy named Reed Jameson was doing it just like at an open mic. It was really good. Josh, I, I should send that to you. It's just he kind of he goes even more operatic at the end, like somehow, like. I think it's just because it's only a voice and a guitar. He gets his handkerchief out. Well, he's he's. <laughs> No, no, sonically, yeah. not not. He wasn't <laughs> acting out an opera. Um, but anyway, shout out Reed Jameson. And then there was one more Mechner. Just this band kind of doing it and just doing it straight up. And it was cool. Wait, the band's name is Mechner. M e c h n e r. Mechner. Okay. Okay. But it was cool, and it helped me doing the cover because they they show everyone's fingers what they're playing. Like, it's just kind of a band playing ah. the song. So it was, I was like, oh, th- there we nice. go. That's what I'll do. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Ke- Kevin, you got anything? Uh, I'm going to take us on a little left turn here. First of all, okay. I, I really liked your cover from last week, doing When the Circus Comes. Uh, I really liked the sound of it. But I had an interesting experience. I listened to it on Spotify. And I, what I did not pick up on, I, I listened to the whole, I you know, listened to the fun side. So I listened to you guys talking about the song. And then it goes into the song. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. Josh is in this really like interesting falsetto, and then I realized I had it on one point two speed because that's how I <laughs> listen to all all my podcasts. Um, and so it gave, it gave you a very like Boy, Ray Lamontagne quality. It was it was. Huh. <laughs> Ooh, I'll take that. I'll take that. Uh, but it was it, and it was good. It actually I was enjoying it, and then I went to regular speed, and it was even better. I thought it was I thought it was really good, but it does call to okay. mind the dangers of um, sped up podcasting. And yeah, Neil, don't I don't do know. It. If, I don't know if How you've ever. You? I don't How know if you've ever you? camped with Josh. If you've ever camped and done some backpacking or hiking, <laughs> but um, I've had an experience. Shout out Adam Bagger. He knows what I'm talking about. He possible future future ex guest host here, and he he and I uh, have experienced Josh listening to podcasts at 2.0 speed while it's like one year. He's got one earbud in, and he's got it on oh, 2.0 God. speed, and everyone on the trail can hear his like Dan Carlin talking about. <laughs> 
talking about Julius Caesar and the Gauls. Oh my God! I don't know how you get. I don't even know how you do one point two. I can't listen to anything that just give it to me straight. It drives like it makes me literally kind of go insane. Well, it's just too much information. I've never uh-oh. thought about that with our podcast specifically. I wonder if people do that and then the covers they're like, eh, that was a little pitchy. That was a little, a little pitchy. Uh, <laughs> there was something off about that cover. Their their tempo was he a little went little four off. octaves. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's all I got. I got nothing on this song for covers. <laughs> well, I, I couldn't find a cover. I looked on YouTube and Spotify. I couldn't find a cover of this song. And there was a person named Sierra Farrell who I actually like her music. She has a song called In Dreams. And that was like coming up before this one. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. This is a classic. But there is a version of this where he does it with the L.A. Philharmonic. So and they make it even more dramatic and operatic. And it is fantastic. Yes. That <laughs> is so much far superior to the 87 remaster. Well, it starts off and there's like this very orchestral beginning mm-hmm. and you're just like, is this the song? And then it just, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like, candy color clown, they call this in. It's like a little drunk, you know, like building up and you're like, ooh, yes, this one is good. quick side note, I wanted to slip back under the influence for one second. Just thinking about all this, it really reminds me the cinematic um, symphonic quality of the moody blues kind of like. Nights in White Satin and that whole album, the way they're kind of talking and like there's little like symphonic stuff. And and they build like the vocals kind of get really dramatic like that for sure. That's a good call. Uh, Nights in White Satin especially is a great comp Mm -hmm. for this Uh, vocally and not not, not necessarily production, but melodically as well. Uh, Well, that's going to bring us to our shoe section. I'm not talking uh, Ed Bundy. It's Ed Bundy, right? Ed Bundy? What's his name in Married with Children? Al Bundy, I'm like Ed O'Neill and Ted Bundy. I was just Are you kidding. a 90s? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. <clears throat> Much on. different show. Yeah. T- Ted Bundy. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> Ted, the shoe salesman. Uh, and I'm not talking Al Bundy. Neil, how does the shoe shit? <laughs> how does the shoe fit? If the shoe shits. For Roy Orbison's In Dreams. Well, it fits like night slippers, specifically black velvet slippers with gold stitched monogram. Ooh. Ooh. And I oh, did okay. find some on sale at Scully and Scully for $295 if you guys want me to send you a link. Is Scully and Scully a Boston <laughs> shoe company? They're yeah. X-Files slippers. I don't know. <laughs> Kevin, how does a shoe shoe fit for oh, you? Oh man, it's like it's a dad shoe. It's uh it's a ni- it's a chunky wow. 90s Reebok. You know, kind of a, it's a reluctant like it. fit, but I guess it fits me these days. And uh, yeah, anytime, I mean, it's not my favorite Roy Orbison song, but anytime he comes on, I'm going to listen. I dig it. Uh, I, You know what? I, I'm the sound with Neil. It's just a comfortable slipper and I'm going to go with my Ugg slippers, my Ugg nighttime slippers, which are extremely comfortable. And that's what it fits like. The most comfortable slipper uh, that you can walk around the house in before you doze off and get a little sprinkle of <laughs> stardust. Was that, was that an ad read? Are we? It, it could have been. Okay. It could have yeah. been. We'll take sponsors wherever, wherever we can yeah. get them. Just... Ugg or no. <laughs> and, and, on that, and on that note, our, our cover of Roy Orbison's In Dreams. A candy-colored clown they call the Sandman Tiptoes to my room every night Just to sprinkle stardust and to whisper Go to sleep Everything is all right I close my eyes Then I drift away Into the magic night I softly say 
The cover you just heard was performed by Josh Bond and Neil Marsh. Thanks for listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and give us a good rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at Pod Gave Rock. Next week is our guest's pick. Kevin, what are we going to listen to? Uh, we are going to listen to the opening track from 1975's Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen. We'll be going down Thunder Road. Can't wait! <laughs> <laughs>